morning. This is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Good morning. It is 9.33 a.m. Daylight Savings Time. It is March the 25th, 2019. This is episode 76 of Bitcoin and... And boy, what a weekend of shit raining down on crypto Twitter and Bitcoin Twitter. I'm going to get into that later. But first, Barons. Oh, my. So Bitcoin's dead again. Dead. That's spelled D-E-D for those of you who are wondering. Uh, Barons on the 22nd. Uh, released a piece by Avi Salzman that says Wall Street embraced Bitcoin as the next big big thing, but crypto slumped and the party got postponed. Bitcoin's big coming out party on Wall Street has been postponed, if not canceled altogether. Oh, I'm so sad. More than a year after major exchange operators introduced Bitcoin futures and hedge funds scrambled to get in on the game, most of the marquee projects and services designed for institutional investors have yet to launch or have been rolled out to only select clients. Among the obstacles, a price plunge, a confusing regulatory environment, and crypto's still sketchy nature. CBOE Global Markets was the first out of the gate. Its Bitcoin futures project product, which was settled in cash instead of Bitcoin itself, began in December 2017 at the height of the craze for crypto. Note, that was probably not the time to do it. Continuing on, but CBOE has now abruptly pulled back, announcing that it won't offer new Bitcoin futures after the June contract expires. CBOE wouldn't discuss its reasoning, but one likely problem was low volume. Trade volume on March the 1st was 753 contracts versus 6,323 a year earlier. CME Group, which released its own Bitcoin futures project shortly after CBOE, has also seen ups and downs for volume, but its volume has recently outpaced CBOE. CME says, quote, it has no plans to make any changes currently. Other futures products have yet to appear. NASDAQ said in late 2017 that it planned to introduce a Bitcoin product with the fund manager Van Eck. As of last week, no such product existed. NASDAQ spokesman Joe Christinat says the company is being very deliberate. (laughs) Whatever. We decided NASDAQ is best suited to be a technology provider to the crypto industry, he says. The plunge of the Bitcoin price hasn't helped. The entire crypto market is worth about $130 billion today, down from $600 billion at its height. Quote, even though price movement isn't everything, obviously price movement impacts the growth of asset classes, end quote, says Alex Gordon Brander the CEO of crypto dark pool provider Omega One. Quote, we're clearly in a retrenchment phase. Gordon Brander says he is, quote, still extremely bullish on digital assets and has just started a dark pool for institutional traders in Bermuda. <laughs> Not sketchy. <clears throat> the decision to go to Bermuda points to another issue keeping in institutions out of crypto. U.S. regulations remain unclear, so companies have avoided setting up services here. Other much-trumpeted crypto projects have been muted or delayed. Intercontinental Exchange owns a crypto platform called Bact. Starbucks, as of last summer, was going to be its flagship retailer, but Bact's launch has been delayed, and Starbucks says it has no new information on its role. Fidelity announced in October that it was creating a new division with 100 employees to provide services for crypto, including custody and trade execution. Since then, there has been no mention of a start in a press release or other announcement. 
A spokeswoman directed Barron's to a blog post on Medium from late January saying the company was, quote, serving a select set of eligible clients who, quote, are an important part of our final testing and process refinement periods. This month, Fidelity Digital Assets President Tom Jessup said, I think there was an expectation that, okay, we're going to live in this first quarter, that we would issue a press release saying that we're live. That would be the shortest press release ever issued. We're live. We have a number of clients on the platform. Fidelity wouldn't say what that number is. So this is a huge nothing burger. It, it, uh, half the time, I, I don't, you know, I, half the time, I think that the, fu- the entire futures thing, I still don't get. I mean, it's just, to me, it's just gambling, whether you're trading oil, grain, frozen concentrated orange juice, pork bellies, or the rest of the litany of list of shit that they traded in Trading Places. If you haven't seen the movie Trading Places, it's really good. Uh, 80s flick with Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy. It was actually one of the, one of the better movies uh, with those two at the time, you know, with those two se- even separately at the time. Uh, great flick, man. Great flick. Watch it. Trust me. You'll like it. Um, as far as this, you know, as, as far as gambling goes, I don't get what this, I really don't get what futures actually do except possibly set a price. I guess that, I mean, that's cool and all, I guess in like stable, really stable, uh, industries like oil, pork bellies, frozen concentrated orange juice. I mean, you've got, you know, decades you know, if not, you know, over a hundred years of, of the industry being mature, you know, those, those industries being mature. I kind of, I suspect that they pulled the trigger way too fast, way too fast on, uh, futures. Again, like I said last time on Friday, you know, at any given time, I see a 1% change in the price of Bitcoin and I just see people, I just see like bodies being strewn about on my Twitter feed with BitMEX wrecked tweets coming across. Oh, this, you know, these longs got liquidated and there'd be like 20 in a row. And that's like, that's like 20, you know, <laughs> that's like 20 futures that either one person or 20 people just got smoked over. And so I, you know, for me, I, I, I never got the whole futures thing. It seems rather silly. I think it was, I think it was premature. Um, and I don't think that this is going to stop wall street's entrance. I think they're just probably being really, really conservative as they do have a tendency to be. I mean, who could blame them? Really? Uh, you got to let this shit, you know, let some of the shit shake out of this, uh, this, uh, clown show here. Um, Oy vey. Next up in the stack. Hold on for a sec. Well, I'm going to have to apologize for that one. I had a link to bitcointalk.org, uh, a particular topic that is now gone. Or at least, uh, what does it say for me? It says, when I go to that <clears throat> link, which I was able to get to last night, Uh, It says the topic or board you are looking for appears to be either missing or off limits to you. So I don't know what's going on, but it's, I find it very, very odd because the topic itself that, uh, that this was, or this post on Bitcoin talk was about uh, somebody had posted up that they were buying uh, paying $5,000 US for old mining wallets, which I found very, very odd. And so did a lot of other people too. Uh, the most obvious response was, we see you, Craig. We know what you're doing. For those of you who don't know, that refers to Craig S. Wright, Esquire, economist, 40 degree holder wheelbarrow having Craig Stewart Wright, who's or whatever his name is, that says he's Satoshi or has been saying has been fraudulently misrepresenting himself as Satoshi. In either event, um, it's interesting that that post occurred that somebody wants to buy an old mining wallet. It had specs too, like it had to have 300 Bitcoin at one point. 
it had to be between certain dates. I think the dates were like 2009 to 2010. There was very, very, very specific specifications for this for the wallets that this person was going to pay $5,000 for. I'm assuming he would have paid $5,000 for that wallet had it been empty as long as he would be able to control the private keys. So there is some definite chicanery going on, man. So maybe maybe the post got taken down because the chicanery on that one is kind of so obvious that the people at Bitcoin Talk were like, no, we're not going to not going to get into that crap because that's just I don't know. There's some there's I don't know why exactly from a technical standpoint that that's fraught with difficulty, but I suspect that it may be a way to provide the whoever, if somebody can actually buy those wallets, that they would somehow or another be able to provide themselves legitimacy uh, in saying that they were Satoshi Nakamoto because they have some of the earlier wallets or what I, the other thing that I'm thinking is that it may be able to provide them with the UTXO set. Even if there's no Bitcoin in that wallet, uh, they might be able to harvest the UTXO set to be able to claim their all the all the shit forks that came off of it, like the Bitcoin Diamond and Bitcoin Private and and like I don't know I think there's like thirty five shit forks from from the actual original Bitcoin UTXO set. Um, and I, for those who don't know that UTXO set, basically is however essentially translates to i have a wallet with this many bitcoin well when you say that you've got this many bitcoin what you're really saying is that you've got these and then some set of utxos or unspent transaction outputs um but if those if those unspent transaction outputs are viable um in the uh, shit fork world and nobody spent those coins the coins that are not Bitcoin, then I can see why somebody would want to fleece somebody out of their old mining wallet. But that's difficult because people that have mining wallets that old probably know. So it's, it's unclear as to what was going on there, but you know, it, it, it was interesting. Uh, and no, but no more interesting than this one, coindesk.com, a sad joke. Bitcoin Cash's lead coder quits Bitcoin Unlimited. That's right, folks. Alyssa Hertig, as of March 25th, 2019, has says or is has is writing that Amari Sachet, a leading developer of Bitcoin Cash, is renouncing his membership in one of the projects that paved the way for the controversial cryptocurrency. He's sticking with Bitcoin Cash as lead developer of the code implementation code implementation Bitcoin ABC, but he's unhappy with the dire- direction of Bitcoin Unlimited, a code implementation that arguably got Bitcoin Cash off the ground as one of the first code implementations to increase Bitcoin's block size parameter. All these different Bitcoins may be hard to keep track of, but it's important to note that Bitcoin Unlimited remains relevant because it provides an alternative code implementation of Bitcoin Cash. Revealed to Coindesk prior to publication, Sachet wrote a detailed explanation for his departure posted to Medium Monday, in which he explained he is disappointed with Bitcoin Unlimited's development process, partly because lingering bugs in the code allowed an unknown developer to crash most Bitcoin Unlimited nodes. I remember that. Uh, instead of getting better, he argues Bitcoin Unlimited's process has since gotten worse. Quote, the BUIP process has turned into a sad joke. With proposals more and more absurd being voted on, <laughs> BU leaders are complacent. And <clears throat> while saying that the attitude of the Bitcoin Satoshi's Vision BSV community will cost them developer support, they continue to enable the toxic behavior by supporting BSV. Stepping back while Bitcoin Unlimited paved the way, Bitcoin ABC was the first group to actually go through with these promises to increase the block size parameter back in 2017. Then sentiments in the community began to strain, partly because Craig Wright, a developer, oh God. I, I don't think this man has development chops. I'm sorry, I don't. If 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 anybody does, I think he's just hired I think he's just hired guns for that. I don't think he has the chops. A developer who claims to have created Bitcoin 
without evidence, joined Bitcoin Cash's ranks. A bit over a year after Bitcoin Cash launched, Wright went to war with developers, including Sachet, ultimately breaking Bitcoin Cash into two cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin SV. As this happened, Bitcoin Unlimited released software supporting both cryptocurrencies. But the code split ended up splintering the Bitcoin Unite Unlimited team with some eagerly supporting BSV. Drama between Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin SV hasn't stopped with the fork. However, a few days ago, influential Bitcoin Cash coder Anthony Zeggers left Bitcoin Unlimited as a member, inspiring Sachet to follow. Quote, the Bitcoin Cash project seeks to bring more freedom to the world by engaging in voluntary cooperation to build a better form of money. It is important that the Bitcoin Cash community protect itself from people and groups attempting to take advantage of its cooperative nature and undermine the project, Sachet continued. He concluded, quote, my goal is to make Bitcoin Cash successful. Life is too short and convenient sound money is a goal too important to be distracted from. Oh, man. Wow, that's... <laughs> Actually, I guess there's nothing real surprising about that, um, except it surprised me because I had forgotten all about Bitcoin Unlimited because nobody really talks about it. And now we're talking about it today, but you know, I hadn't really heard anything about Bitcoin Unlimited in months. Uh, yeah, but Omri is one of the big heavy hitters for uh both those both those teams so uh yeah i guess bitcoin unlimited's i don't know whatever it it doesn't really matter it's a, it's it's a sad joke just like the uh just like armory said uh one thing to note i, I this this quote down here at the end the Bitcoin Cash project seeks to be, bring more freedom to the world by engaging in voluntary cooperation to build a better form of money. It is important that the Bitcoin cash community protect itself from people and groups attempting to take advantage of its cooperative nature and undermine the project. And God just doesn't that just sound so familiar as to what was, what the community was saying before the whole Bitcoin, basically as the scaling debate was going up, but no forks had happened. This was being said all the time. Don't split the community. We got to figure out a way to come back together, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's the thing. Being on the fork end of a forked coin, in my opinion, guarantees that you will fork again. And that's exactly what happened to Bitcoin Cash. And it's probably going to happen to Bitcoin Cash again. It's probably It's probably going to happen to BSV again if they don't, self, you know, completely self-destruct. Um, and that self-destruction we're going to come back to again later on. Uh, that, but, but as far as, uh, as, far as uh, the news, I'm going to keep that one short. So that'll do it for Morning Roundup. Vital statistics brought to you by bitinfocharts.com. We have Bitcoin at an average price of 3,988 with a high at Bitfinex at 4,034 and a low of 3,960 over at Simex. Uh, 200, actually one quarter of a million transactions occurred over the last 24 hours with an average transaction per hour number of 10,605. 1.2 million BTC have been sent over those transactions and 52,500 BTC sent on average per hour with an average transaction value of 5 BTC and a median of 0.064 BTC or about 250 bucks. Block time looks to be normal at 10 minutes, 17 seconds. One or 0.15 BTCs being taken as fees per block with a total uh, with a total fee set of 21 BTC over the last 24 hours. The hash rate has decreased 4.38 percent in the last 24 hours, bringing it down to 45 exahashes per second. The last GitHub commit was the 23rd of March. 
Across the board, Ethereum is sitting at 135.37, Litecoin is 59, Bcash is 162, BSV is 64, Ethereum Classic is 4 dollars and 73 cents and dogecoin is at 0.002 and bitcoin cash has not has not breached the amount of transactions over the last 24 hours of doge doge is sitting at 29,642 bcash is at 29,149 and and then sv is is, is normal anemia although it is a little bit high at 9,214 uh, Bcash transaction volume, uh, something's, it was, it was high on Friday too. So something's probably afoot. Uh, we n- never know what these guys are going to do. Anyway, that will do it for your vitals. Marty's bent for Thursday, March 21st. 2019, issue number 445, Udi Timechainheimer, or Udi Wertheimer, has a tweet that's being used at the first up of this. It says, reminder that latest release of ABC Core makes it possible to run on most Android TV boxes. And in the background, too, if you have one lying around, I'd love to hear your feedback. Which model did you try? Did it work? Did it slow things down? Et cetera, et cetera. And then there is a... Um, there is a link to a github.com green address uh, repo to get the code to be able to run on said Android TV box. What does Marty say? Here's a really cool project that our friends Udi Time Chain Heimer and Lawrence Nahum have been working on that enables anyone in, po- in possession of certain Android always on devices can use them to run a Bitcoin full node using the Bitcoin Core or Knots implementation. Anything from a spare tablet to an Android TV can be turned into a Bitcoin full node now thanks to the software. Decentralization is an ideal that we strive for, and the road towards a more decentralized Bitcoin is pathed by projects like ABC Core, which increase the optionality presented to consumers and the potential amount of hardware devices can be used to contribute to Bitcoin's consensus, making it harder to kill, more useful, and more valuable. With all that said, ABC Core is still in its alpha stage and is extremely experimental at the moment. The team behind the project doesn't recommend you use the devices you run ABC Core on as wallets, but simply as an anchor to monitor another safer wallet you do own. You'll be able to download an app that allows you to connect to and monitor your ABC Core node while on the go. That's nice. Slowly but surely, the vision begins to take form in front of our eyes. Since this is still in the experimental stage, the ABC Core team is looking for anyone with spare Android devices to help them stress test the software. So if any of you freaks have any devices sitting around gathering dust, it's time to hit up your local Swiffer distributor, get to dusting, download ABC Core, and let Udi and Larry know how good or bad their software is. Giving back. It's important. Jack from Twitter fame says, Bitcoin Twitter and crypto Twitter. Square is hiring three to four crypto engineers and one designer to work full time on open source software contributions. Work from anywhere, report directly to me, and we can even pay you in Bitcoin. All right, so I covered I covered this on Friday, but let's see what uh let's see what Marty has to say about this. As you freaks probably already know, our boy Jack Dorsey came out of nowhere and dropped a bomb on Twitter last night with the unveiling of Square Crypto, an initiative to support open source developers working on Bitcoin or other open source projects related to crypto. An incredible show of goodwill from a man who seems to be becoming obsessed with Bitcoin as many of us congregating around this rag every day are. A topic of heavy debate within the crypto space that has persisted for many years is the concept of developer incentives. Why do developers decide to contribute to open source projects? How do you compensate these developers? Should we bake a developer's fund into our supply schedule to attract and pay talent? How much should the companies utilizing these open source technologies give back? All of these questions, as well as many more like them, have been posited since the dawn of open source. Cryptocurrencies protocols have been launched to solve this specific problem. Even worse, reputations have been pegged to the notion that this is a critical problem that is an imminent threat to the survival of Bitcoin and other open source projects like it. 
Uncle Marty is a huge believer in the idea that all of the hype around developer incentives is completely overblown. Bitcoin has survived and thrived for a decade without a defined way in which to compensate the developers building it out. Some developers were early miners and buyers and are able to work on Bitcoin without having to worry about money. Some work full-time jobs and contribute in their spare time due to their belief in the mission. Others are paid salaries by companies like Blockstream, Chaincode, and now Square Crypto so they can work on Bitcoin worry-free. Some will be directly funded via crowdfunding efforts to, of Bitcoiners who have benefited from the protocol, whether it be financially or by utilizing it when there was no other option for their particular needed use case and want to give back. I believe the biggest misconception of people who think there is a developer incentives problem when it relates to Bitcoin and other projects is whether or not these projects have earned the outside investment. Just because these technologies are really cool and paradigm shifting on paper they still have to prove themselves in the wild before people begin to dump a bunch of capital into the infrastructure. It seems as if after a decade of rabid dedication, enthusiasm, efficiency gains, intellectual debate, attention accumulation, increased adoption, and most importantly, a track record of reliability, some of the big boys are taking notice and putting some skin in the game. The block streams, and chain codes of the worlds were prescient enough to see Bitcoin's potential very early on and were wily enough to put their money where their mouths were, leading the way to get Bitcoin to a point that was comfortable enough for the cavalry to join the fray. We should be very thankful for their contributions up to this point, in my opinion. Any other protocol that is not getting the funding it perceives it deserves may want to take this into consideration. It may not be a funding problem but a product market fit problem that people do not want to fund until it is clearly defined and solved. Final thought, Sixers looking like a team that is ready to make deep run in the playoffs, trust the process in every aspect of life. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that is a, that's a, a that's an interesting bit in, in so far as I guess that, you know, the real question is, well, do we need this? You know, do we, you know, is Jack coming to the rescue? No, he's not coming to the rescue. Do we need this? Ah, that's de debatable because we haven't needed it before, but because we haven't needed it before, it doesn't necessarily that we don't need it now. I, I think it's just, you know, watching this thing grow organically is the most interesting part about this, this entire thing. It's just, it's like watch It's like watching a brand new life form, start figuring out how to walk. I mean, you know, even as a human, even if you don't have kids, right? So I get the feeling that there's, I mean, even people who do have kids at one point did not have kids. And there's just something innate about, even though we're happy when our child takes their first steps, you know, and, and some of us are, you know, cry with tears. They're, we're so happy. Others are just like, you know, we're, it's fun. You know, there's, there's something exciting about watching your kid take his first few steps, but I get the feeling that there's an innate sense of understanding what it means about taking first steps for a human as one human looking at another human. We are a bunch of humans, essentially a bunch of monkeys hanging from trees, throwing feces at something that we clearly don't understand and watching it grow in front of our very eyes. And none of us, I don't think a one of us has any freaking clue what first steps of this creature actually look like. Is it possible it's already taken its first steps? I mean, and I mean, first steps like a baby can crawl around and get from one place to another. That does not mean that it took its first steps. And just because I can send Bitcoin from here to freaking Zimbabwe does not mean that that's not just crawling. I don't know if it's taken its first steps. And even, even after that, even if we are, are somehow, you know, can recognize, you know, do pattern recognition enough to recognize when Bitcoin takes its own, its, its own first steps, what the hell else does this development look like? It's like, it's like raising an alien, it's not like, I mean, a human, I think, has an innate sense of what it's like to raise things that we, that are in our natural world. Bitcoin has never been part of our natural world, ever. This is the first time. This is the first time this shit has ever happened. 
None of us know what the creature looks like when it's mature. We don't know what its reproductive cycle is. We don't know what its anatomy is. We don't know what its internal organ structure looks like. We know fucking nothing about this thing. And that's one of the most fascinating facets of this entire thing is watching this thing grow. Jack coming in, I think is good. I really do. I, you know, develop, you know, companies coming in that will actually pay people to do stuff in the industry, I think is good. People that want to be part of the industry as part of their livelihood, I think is good. I, I'm not the most excited person in the world about shit coins, but like them or not, they're here. I hope most of them go away, if not all of them, but I don't think that that's going to happen. I, I think there's going to be, I think there's going to be a few left. I don't think Ethereum's going to die. I don't think Litecoin is going to die. I may want it to. I, you know, there's a lot of people that want it to. There's a lot of people that want Doge to die. I don't know why Doge doesn't, it's not hurting anybody. Be that as it may, I own Doge. I mean, it's a great meme coin. It was, it was fun. It's not so much fun anymore, but in, in either event, there's a whole bunch of people, th- there's an industry being formed here and there's going to be jobs within that industry. There are going to be people that want to pay themselves somehow or another in the industry because they want to be part of it. That's how they want to pay their mortgage. That's in, in, in either event, these types of things are great. Are they necessary? Would, would Bitcoin die tomorrow if Jack hadn't done this? No. And anybody who thinks that it would doesn't really understand what's going on. Anyway, so that's going to do it for Marty's Bent. Ah, Torchlight. Okay, so where are we at? Well, a day ago, Peter McCormack tweeted out that it was a pleasure to catch up with Lynn Ulbricht and honored to be with her as she held the Lightning Network trust chain. So uh, Ross Ulbricht's mom held the torch. I think that's pretty cool. You know, that's, you know, that's, I, I just think that's cool. So where is it now? Okay, 16 hours ago. Let me, let me make sure my timestamps here. Okay, it looks like the way this worked was that uh, R.G. Azafis at A-R-G-Y-X-A-F-I-S says 16 hours ago, just received the trust chain or the LN trust chain LN torch from Milwaukee. And it's here in Greece. Four years of capital controls erased in milliseconds. <laughs> Thank you guys for this honor making history here. Next one. 4.05 million Satoshi's invoice, please. Oh man, that's like a cat. That's like a catch line at this point. Invoice, please, right? <laughs> I should run with that. Um, okay, so after uh, RG Zaphis got it, Zeus at Zeus LN says, just got the torch from RG Zaphis in Greece. What an honor. The next hop is 4.05 million Satoshis. Send your invoices my way. Again, invoice, please. Uh, and then let's see here. Uh, uh, oh, Evan Kaloudis at E-V-A-N-K-A-L-O-U-D-I-S says, I got the torch. Who wants it? El interest chain. So anyway, he got the torch from Zeus. So right now it looks like it's in the hands of Evan Kaloudis and we'll see where it goes from there. That's the latest on uh, Torchlight. I'm going to go ahead and do Terrible Joke Corner before we do Daily Train Wrecked. I want that one to be the the last bit for for today because of whatever. Um, so as you as as per normal, your bad joke is brought to you by Bad Joke Cat at Bad Joke Cat. What do you call dangerous precipitation? A reign of terror. Yeah, yeah, that's a bad joke, but it's going to fit. With what's coming next in Daily Train Wrecked. So keep Reign of Terror in your mind.
not going to win me any, uh, this isn't going to win me any love at all. <laughs> um, pretty much most of, of Sunday, uh, yesterday and a good part of Saturday, I was watching, um, some people just get tore up on, on Twitter and, you know, a lot of us can, you know, automatically just go, well, you know, you don't have to be on Twitter and you don't have to be on this social media and you don't have to be on that social media, but we are, I mean, we're all, we're all here and I don't see a whole lot of, you know, I, I do see people, you know, kind of take a break from Twitter every once in a while, take a break from social media, but they always come back because, you know, this, it, it's surely one of the, one of the better, faster places to get uh, news. And especially about news in your particular, you know, your particular industry that, that, you know, your chosen industry. Right. Um, but, uh, just watching people get, and, and this, the, here's the, this, the sad thing is, is that there are people that I'm watching get shit said to them that really shouldn't be said. And it's not just it. And the thing about it is, it's not just like, oh, somebody said something bad. No, it's a barrage of like, you know, eight or nine people with multiple tweets just hammering the shit out of people like Krista Rose. Okay, look, do I like Krista Rose? Yeah, I do like Krista Rose. I, I think he's actually a pretty, he's a pretty smart guy, except that I, I, the way that I always look at Chris is somebody who is a button pusher. You know, I think most of the time he's just, I think he get, I think he's just getting rises out of people because he's just, you know, taunting them or in his mind, he thinks he's playing with them. I, you know, and I, I don't know because I'm not like, you know, I don't go hang out with Chris and have beer with him. However, it's I I'm not sure of the efficacy of all the attacks. That's why this is the train wreck. Because that's what I've been witnessing. And it's not just DeRose. I'll get into something else here in a second. But for right now, you know, this this DeRose attack is it's actually still continuing. I'm seeing shit in my note in my notifications is just a stream of people that I like trashing the shit out of Chris and Chris is, you know, trying to trash him back, but he's basically all by himself. And it looks to me like he's being ganged up on by a whole bunch of people that I respect. And I'm not saying stop. Okay. I'm not here to protect Chris. Chris doesn't need of all the people in the world. Chris does not need me saying shit or coming to his defense. Chris is just fine. Chris doesn't give a flying fuck. He doesn't. Nobody really does, you know, because it's easy to say all this shit behind a computer screen. It, it, it is. And, I, you know, I'm guilty of it, too. Hell, most of us are at one point or another. I'll say something snarky, you know, get into get into these Twitter fights. But here's the reason that I wanted to bring it up. If you know, why am I why do I give a shit if Chris doesn't need my help? Well, it's because I think we all need our own help. And this has something to do with is the question that I have is how much energy do you parse out to be used up in this, in this method and how much energy total do you have for your life? How much do you have for the day? How much, you know, mental energy is being um, shifted around to, you know, go knock on Chris. I mean, Chris says things all the time. Uh, you know, and, and Chris, then again, Chris isn't, you know, Chris has a tendency to dive into these things, maybe because he's bored. Like somebody will be talking about something and then all of a sudden Chris sees it. And the next thing you know, boom, Chris is in the mix and then bam, Chris is just getting fucking hammered on, you know? And I, yeah, I guess I could say, listen, you know, we should be better than that to each other. And this is community and that's all horse shit. You do whatever the hell you want to do. That's part of being in a community. My real concern here is for all of us to kind of sit back and go, God, do we really want to release, spend our energy screwing with, you know, 
Armory Sachet or Chris DeRose or Craig Wright or, or whatever. I mean, we can, you know, it's, I don't think it's a problem commenting on it, but just engaging in battles that are 48 hours long. I don't know, man. It just doesn't seem, it doesn't seem healthy. It doesn't seem constructive. And I think it does. I think it actually can possibly, and especially in Chris's case, because the dude, you, it doesn't matter what you say to Chris, he, he, he you're never going to hurt his feelings. He's, he's not built like that. You know, he's been around, he's been in the space far too long for any, anybody to say anything that's really going to get to him. Right. And this goes for a lot of people in the space. Um, so, you know, think about that. And while we get into this, into the next thing that I think is a train wreck. And that's like the, again, Peter McCormick does not need my fucking help. All right. I'm not saying this for Peter's sake. All right. But Peter is, I saw him literally having three battles by himself. It was just coming across my feed, you know, three different ones, not in the same thread, three separate threads of people attacking his character, of people attacking his show, of people saying that he's a shit coiner and that he's shilling shit coins because he had X, Y, and Z guest on his show. And again, Peter doesn't need any help. <laughs> Peter's doing just fine, which I think may be half of why people are pissed off at him. He's he, This is a full-time living for the guy. You know, his show pays all of his bills and puts money in the bank. He gets to fly to freaking like the United States and go to LA, New York, San Francisco. I'm not a big fan of LA, but San Francisco's nice and New York City's a lot of fun. He gets to go to you know, freaking Spain and Germany and Austria and all these places. And he's getting like, you know, he's got, uh, uh, sponsors. He's making a living. This is what I was saying earlier. He's making a living in the industry. Some people that I really respect are just bashing the shit out of the guy. And again, not saying stop. You want to bash the dude? Fine. He doesn't need anybody's help. He can, Peter can take care of himself. He's making enough money per month and going to enough beautiful places in the world per week that I'm pretty sure Peter's going to be okay. No, 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 no. This is about the health of the people that are engaging in the bashing. Is Peter really worth it? Is Peter worth your energy? Is Peter worth the, the amount of neuronal energy that it takes to dig things up? And like there, I, I'm on mentioned the, the, uh, account's name, but somebody dug up some, you know, pretty personal shit one day about Peter and fuck just, it was not really, I, I guess it could be considered doxing, but it wasn't like address and phone number, right? It was personal shit. I mean, what did that do? Did that hurt Peter or did that hurt the person that, that actually had to take the time to go dig through the shit to go find crap on Peter? When all Peter's doing is he's just, all he's doing is he's got a podcast and he's making a living and he's putting food on his table for his family. And I, I, just because he has Eric Voorhees on his show, I'm not sure how that turns him into a shit coiner. I, I, I just listened to, I'm, um, I'm almost finished with his, uh, podcast where he's interviewing Mark Weinstein from, uh, that had something to, a couple of things to do with fire festival. It's fascinating. Peter's a good, he's a good interviewer. He's, he's got a, he's got a gift, man. And, but I didn't ever think that cause he was interviewing Mark Weinstein. I don't, I don't, didn't get the feeling that he was trying to get me to buy tickets to fire festival. And just because he's interviewing Eric Voorhees, I get the option as to whether or not I want to listen to Eric Voorhees spew shit. I mean, I don't know if, if Eric Voorhees is spewing shit or not, because I haven't listened to the interview and I don't think, I don't know if I am. I'll tell you, the, the one Peter interview that I will not listen to is the if he interviews Francis Coppola because I don't believe that that woman's got anything to say. I, I somehow or another I think some it was like an accident that she fell into being able to make money spewing the shit that she spews. I have zero interest in listening to to what she sounds like talking to Peter. That's my choice. I, I get I get that choice, but I don't feel the need to go hammer Peter because he interviewed Francis Coppola. I just won't listen to it. That's, that's a choice that we all have. So again, this isn't, you know, Peter doesn't need my defense. 
It's not a defense of him. It's a defense of us. Do we really, really, really benefit from continual attacks? Yeah, I do da- I do daily train wrecked where I look at somebody and go, man, that's a train wrecked. But that's not getting into a 48-hour battle where you where you're constantly having to lose this mental energy, lose your soul's energy and giving it over to somebody that you very well have never may never have met in real life, which I think is kind of important. If you care so much about a person, whether negatively or positively, at least you should go meet them, right? And if you haven't really met them, you really don't know them. If you haven't hung out with these people, I wish I could. I wish I could go to like these conferences and go chill out with these people because I, you know, you only get a a small percentage of a sense of who these people are through Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or, or even their podcasts. I mean, you know, I mean, we, we love Tales from the Crypt. I love Peter McCormick's uh, podcast, What Bitcoin Did. These people, you know, have a lot of, not credibility, they have a, they have a lot of it, and not even all that much experience. But they have something to offer insofar as information, how to do things, their experience, their other life experiences. And I, for one, am, am glad that they're in, this, in the space. But what when people that I really respect are spending their energy attacking these people continuously, I'm actually not worried about the person being attacked. I'm actually more worried about the people doing the attacking because it's like, have you listened to the show? Have you met, you know, person X? Uh, are you, you know, if not, why the hell expend the energy? I believe that we're only given so much energy in life. It's part of the dash that exists between the date that you were born and the date that you died, which are the three main symbols that go on your fucking tombstone. That dash in between is the entirety of your life. That's from the day you were born to the day you died. That dash represents everything you said, did, made, built, tried to build, all your failures, all your successes, all your loves, all your hates, everything. And to have any portion of that dash be predic- or be predominantly attacking and 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 spewing shit all the time, it's probably not good. You know, it, you know. The last thing that I'll say, and I, I'm actually not worried about this one, but I guarantee you, people like Francis are sitting. Francis Coppola are sitting around. You know, uh, the the people that we think are going to be the most put off by the existence of an alternate financial network. If they're looking at these fights, then they're, I guess I'm not worried because they'd be led into a, um, a sort of delusion that we're going to end up destroying ourselves and they don't have to worry about us. So from that standpoint, maybe a lot of this stuff is good. As long as we can keep it in mind who the real enemy is, because it's not each other. Yeah, there are really bad actors in the space. I get that. I do, man. Uh, there's some terrible actors in the space that are literally here to fleece as many people out of their cash as they possibly can. That said, um, if these, like I said, the people that we're suspecting are going to be the mo- have the most to lose by an alternate financial institution or, or fi- uh, alternate financial rails... If they're looking at any of this stuff, and Francis does, and she writes about it, and she's all friendly with all these people up there in in, in Never Never Land, which we'll never, never see, um, they're just laughing. And they're just waiting. Because it's not outside the realm of possibility that we just tear each other apart. It's like that, that uh, there's a scene in, in a double o, like James Bond 007 movie where the sinister guy is like, has three fish in, you know, or it has two fish in a, a tank and then puts a third type of fish, you know, a third type of fish in and these two fish, you know, two fish go out, go just eat, lay into each other, just eating the shit out of each other, man, biting off like tail fins and just smoking each other down. This third fish is just laying there, just waiting, man. It's just watching. It's just waiting. 
and it, when it finally does pounce, it does so on the fish that survived. He lit the fish. He doesn't care which one wins. He just knows that the remaining fish that's alive is going to be too damn tired to fight. That fish been sitting there under a log, resting his ass, watching people go at each other. And when the time is right, and that's after like the opponent is, is destroyed, that's when the fish comes out and, and actually ends up being the actual victor. And it takes one-tenth of the amount of time for that fish to kill the tired fish than the initial fish battle in the first damn place. And if we're going to sit around and be fish, then we need to expect that some other fish is watching from a distance and waiting. So just keep it in mind, you know, just, just keep it in mind. Um, you know, and there's something that, that Chris said that I, I, I can take issue with, um, that I will bring up here because it does, you know, I, I, sometimes I, I ever, since I heard it last night, I wonder if it's possible to build an, in, uh, such an index, but, uh, he started talking about count, sort of counter trading Bitcoin on the amount of hate in the space as an indicator or an index, which I think is, again, that's, I can disagree with Chris. I don't think, I don't think he's right. Uh, and so far as it's, it's not that I don't think he's right. The guy, he there's no way you can gauge hate as an index, right? And then and then use it as technical analysis. I mean, and I don't think I, I think he's smart enough to know that. But eh, but the dude said it. So and and I bring it out here because there is this. It just meshes with what I was just talking about. If there is such a thing as a RHI or relative hate index, then we are under, we are basically oversold. As far as that third fish looking at the market, us being the market, that fish is like looking for a buy opportunity, man. That And the relative hate index is basically hovering around 30 right now. We might consider possibly not giving our energies over to, to these battles, which in the end, don't do shit. If it doesn't do shit, it's probably not worth our time. And that's all I'm going to say about that for the Daily Train Wreck. Yeah, so it's Monday, um, the start of another whole week. Just figure out how to get through it as best you can, guys. Figure out how to get through it as best you can. And I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.